to this mini-series, Monstrous Flesh Festive Frights, where we explore the horrors of the season through our favourite Christmas horrors. I'm Meg, one of your podcast hosts. Hello, I'm Clelia, the other host. And on this episode, we are joined by the incredible Emma Duncan from Fortune and Glory Film Club to discuss Emma's festive fright, Gremlins. But before Ah. we talk about Gremlins, Emma, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. Uh, Long time listener, first time (laughs) podcaster. Um, So my name's uh, Emma. Uh, I use she, they pronouns. And I um, put on pop-up film screenings under the name Fortune and Glory Film Club. Um, So we've been going for about eight and a half years around Nottingham City Centre and various venues, um, showing a mixture of sort of cult and genre films, um, but with an immersive sort of twist. Um, So a Fortune and Glory screening is... It's like a full a full meal, a full night out. Um, so everybody gets uh, a goodie bag of items to to use or eat or throw or do something <laughs> with um, during the screening. Um, and then we have interval games, uh, crafts. We encourage people to wear costumes. We have caption contests. We have the innuendo chicken. Um, it's a full circus. Um like a like a kids party for adults. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it's the best night out in Nottingham. It's the best night. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And if anyone's not been, I would say, why are you wasting your life? Exactly. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing instead? <laughs> <laughs> well, Emma, so it's brilliant that you can join us um, for this. So excited, um, yeah. and obviously, um, your pick for this uh, for this episode is you know a, you know one favorite, a festive favorite, an all year round favorite. In Absolutely. fact, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So, <laughs> so before we deep dive into um, into into the world of the of Gremlins, wondering if you wanted to give us a little synopsis and what's your relationship to the film and you know why you picked it yeah sure so uh i'm gonna you know a little little synopsis voice uh so gremlins was directed by joe dante and produced by steven spielberg and from a screenplay um by chris columbus so three heavyweights of uh family entertainment uh it came out in 1984 Uh, follows a young man named Billy who receives a cute creature called Gizmo as a Christmas gift. However, chaos erupts when the rules for taking care of Gizmo are accidentally broken, leading to the creation of mischievous gremlins. Uh, These creatures wreak havoc on the town, turning it into a chaotic nightmare, combining humour and horror. What a brilliant synopsis. (laughs) You just captured it totally there. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I chose this um, really, I think for me and, and probably for other people around my age, 150, 160 years old, um, <laughs> is, is a sort of a gateway horror in many ways. Um, you know, one that, that has a real sort of appeal um, for kids for obvious reasons, you know, with the, the puppets and everything. But it has it has quite a dark heart. And um, oh, my God. So I dark. think really. <laughs> Revisiting it recently, um, you realise just how how black the heart is, um, especially when you compare the the version we probably all watched on TV, which turns out to be quite heavily edited, mm. versus the um, you know the version that that we see on on Blu-ray. So um, mm-hmm. 
yeah, I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. And there's so many little hidden details in there. So Yeah, I think you're right about it having that. That's what I love so much about Christmas horror. And that was one of the reasons why we wanted to do a miniseries because Christmas horror is like my favourite subgenre. And I think the way to show like the darkness of the season when it's supposed to be all nice and jolly and, you know, and I, this does that really well. I mean, we'll get into it, but this does that really well, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it was kind Kind of a revelation to rewatch it actually because I, you kind of you know you as you exactly as you said Emma I think you know you're used to the the TV version that we uh, all watched I mean you know people of of our age I suppose as kids um, and uh, and yeah and rewatch and watching the. Um, uncut <laughs> version and realizing how dark it is, but also so much so much stuff that uh, you know didn't didn't necessarily pick pick up um, as a kid. It's kind of yeah, I'm like really excited to to talk about to yeah to deep dive into it yeah. <laughs> further. And uh, can I just say like I feel like the the recording of this podcast has been um, it's very I mean it's great that you've chose Gremlins because we've had so many tech issues <laughs> starting. <Yeah. laughs> they have shown up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So it's like it is very much themed. Yes. <laughs> the gremlins are trying to deter us from this deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got production stuff, clearly? Or... Well, actually, you, one thing I wanted to say before we start uh, is that you're absolutely going to love this, Meg, is that I actually copied and pasted the entire cast list. So if you don't remember <laughs> any names of the characters or the actors, I've got them here in front of me just for you. Uh, I won't remember. I absolutely I've got won't. the IMDB page up on, on my second monitor just in case. Because Meg and I have a bad habit of being kind of like, yeah, so this guy and then yeah, that person yeah, that and one. then, you know, that guy wearing the, yeah, exactly. Oh, so, you oh, know, tonight. Air, you know, that one we air. <laughs> tonight we'll be a little bit more prepared. No, but I mean, I mean, there are tons and tons of, um, you know, of production details about this film. Um, but, you know, I feel like it's been around for so long and so many people, you know, um, I feel like I, you know, I always discover one, you know, a new one when um, you know when I read about it. But you know, most of them, I think people you know know a lot about them. Um, the one that I didn't know about actually is that, um, and actually Emma and I were talking um, t- talking a little bit about the film yesterday um and talking about um the the rating of the film um because it's, it's a pg-13 and the mm. reason why it is pg-13 i mean this film pretty much started the pg-13 rating because when it was released there was nothing you know there was no in between basically mm. so so yeah so that's kind of, that kind of started it which is you know really interesting when you think about how it would have been a very difficult one to classify right because it is a comedy mm. and at the same time as you know we've already hinted out but there are so many dark themes to this film <laughs> that yeah. you know it's impossible to classify yeah when I when I read that as well um it has such a, a great because it was it was this film Gremlins and uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom which uh is where my film club name comes from yeah. so it's like yeah that's a <laughs> coincidence I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend that I that I did that on <laughs> One thing that I read as well about, um, you know, about you know the PG rating or the tone of the um, of the of the film is that um, uh, Zach Galligan, uh, who plays Billy, um, thought that when they were filming it, he really thought they were shooting something akin to Aliens. <laughs> so that he was, yeah, right. Which you know, to be fair, is something a note that I made rewatching the film. You know, when the uh, the eggs are, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, before they hatch in his bedroom, the, the design of them looks very much like something out of Aliens. So I think you know, it's fair enough that. <laughs> that he was thinking that I suppose um, but yeah apparently he was quite surprised when he saw the final cut of the film yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a different tone than Aliens isn't it <laughs> this is like the opposite of The Shining where the guy who, the little boy who played Danny didn't know that they were making an horror film <laughs> because obviously they shielded him from it but yeah exactly so I would like to know then I suppose rather than working through chronologically because that feels you know Old hat, doesn't it, at this point? What are some of your favourite bits, Emma? What are your best, best bits? So I, oh, so I'm going to, I'm not sure if these are chronological. It's fine uh, if so, they are, no pressure. Yeah. Um, so I, I, actually, watching it back, I struggled to separate Gremlins 1 and Gremlins 2 in mm. my collective memory mm. of the film um so i loved that there there is a cinema scene um the scene in the cinema 
where they all mm-hmm. sort of gather to watch um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs mm. um, is just one of my favourite, favourite scenes and <laughs> maybe like inspired some of my love of bringing a bit of chaos yeah. to the cinema. <laughs> um, so I love that scene. I love the scene in the bar where you see them all just causing havoc. Um, you've got your lovely, uh, I think is a little, little queer gremlin there, cross-dressing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And... Um, and the scene where, um, oh, uh, what is it? the the hideous old lady, Mrs. Deagle, mm. uh, yes. takes her final Stanner <laughs> stairlift to the stars. <laughs> yes. Actually, this was one. This was one of the scenes where I was like, "This is so much darker than I remember." Because yes, it's comical, but oh my god, it's so. I mean, not that you, not that you can relate it, obviously, but it's kind of like it's quite terrifying the way it happens. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no way she survived this, and they really turn into like. You know, this is very amusing. (laughs) I know she's a horrible lady, but... No, I I do have to say that um, as a child, I watched this, I think, for the first time when I was about five. And I think I watched it in tandem with watching The Blob, both of Mm. which should not have been viewed Mm -hmm. by a Mm -hmm. five-year-old. And it absolutely petrified me. I remember being so scared (laughs) of Gremlins when I were, like, obviously five. But then even even though I thought it was scary, I loved it. You know, I just really loved it. And then obviously seeing it then as I got older, I just really, um, really enjoyed it, but always felt that darkness in it. Like the, I mean, obviously spoilers, it's been out since 80s people, if you've not seen it, (laughs) you know, at this point. But the bit, um, the scene where she, again, I don't know her name, the the love interest, I don't know her name. Clearly, I'll, I'll uh, fill us in on what her name is. What is it, Becky or something? Kate. Kate, thank you. Kate. 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 Where well, she's saying about why she hates Christmas and it's because her dad fell down the chimney and broke his fucking neck. What? Oh what? God. What? <laughs> what is that story? <laughs> Even yeah. as a kid, I thought, what the fuck? <laughs> uh-huh. What is happening? What a horrible, horror! And also, what I find so bleak about that is that that's how she found out the truth about Santa Claus. <laughs> it's like, not only is your dad dead, but now you've found I out know. that Father Christmas doesn't exist. It is double it's whammy. so incredibly dark. I feel like so I, didn't, I didn't pick up on it when... Um, I didn't pick up on it. The, I'm pretty sure the first time I watched it, definitely didn't pick up on it. And um, and the, the really dark thing about this is that they, um, they kind of... They reprise that scene or, you know, they made a um, a reference to it in the second one, right? Because the same thing happens in yeah. the second one and you're like, this, they're, they're really pushing the envelope yeah. <laughs> too much with I the mean, dark. <laughs> I know, it's, it's haunted me, that scene. If ever I think of Gremlins, that is the scene I think of when she's like, oh, we only found out because of the smell. And she's got like a thousand <laughs> yard stare while she's telling this story. I mean, the delivery, yeah. I mean, she 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 delivers it so straight, yeah. you know. There's no, like, uh-huh. <laughs> like humour. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I love, I love like watching uh, like Billy in the background because he's like, you know, he's searching around and you know they're, mm. they're messing around wherever they are in the cinema, and you sort of, and then all of a sudden he twigs that oh, wait, this is, <laughs> this oh is my super God. dark. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> What? <laughs> well, I think especially as earlier in the in the film, they've had a you know he, you know they've had the, this chat where he's just kind of like, oh, I thought everybody loved Christmas, and she's being like really arsy with him about it, and he's a bit kind of like, what's your deal, you know? And then later yeah. she re, you know she reveals this, and it's like, oh, yeah. what's my <laughs> where do you deal? Go from there? What is my deal, my friend? I'm horrified. Exactly. I'm just horrifically traumatized. That's what my deal is. Exactly. <laughs> it's not like she just doesn't like made sprouts. Yeah. You know. Just like yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> shit went down yeah <laughs> god it's just yeah i think that is the thing i think about but then obviously then uh the cinema scene i love that as well where they're just like mm. flinging everything about and, and also the swimming pool scene when it's all like bubbling up and oh, smoking yeah. and <laughs> it is very alien though i know what you mean it has got that real like mm. alien vibe um, yeah, maybe when they filmed it, you can imagine what they were doing. You know what they were doing that. I am. Um, I, I, you know, I wanted to talk about um, the character of Gizmo because you know, again, watching it as a kid, you kind of like he's so cute, and you know, he's the um, you know protagonist of the film, is the you know the the little hero and stuff. And actually, this time round, I was kind of like, oh. 
you know, he's such a square. Like, yeah. have a little bit of fun, Gizmo. Dork. So boring. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What a dork. But so finding out about this, that they um, originally in the script, Stripe and Gizmo were supposed to be the same character. And it was Spielberg who insisted, you know, they did a few test screening and he was like, no, people are really going to love Gizmo. So you've got to have two, you know, yeah. those two characters are being antagonists to each other, which, you know, works really well. But yeah, but, but yeah Gizmo. You know, does he have to be such a knack? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah apparently like the puppets would because they because they didn't they didn't build gizmo for you know his starring role like you know he was falling to bits so everybody hated him uh, <laughs> nerdy gizmo but, we're continuing yeah. the tradition nerdy yeah. little gizmo just standing behind everybody just wagging his finger going oh no yeah. no Oh, take the stick out your ass! Literally, I just, I just love the um, I love the scene where the um, you know when you know after you know they they spilled water on him by accident, on Gizmo by accident, and you know the the, the little the, the other little Maguire you know are born and they're all in the box, which I was kind of like is quite um, you know it's quite mean as well. You know, Gizmo gets like the you know the VIP treatment is on the bed, you know, he's like being well looked after, and the other ones are like like lost puppies, you know, like in a, in a box, and they you know and they're all like you know screaming for food, and then you found out you know you see that they um, you know they've they've uh, they've cut the um, the electric um um you know the lead to the um um to the alarm clock and i'm kind of like how you know brilliant i just love them they're you know they're so creative in yeah. their naughtiness <laughs> yeah like the, the they're so you know the, the mischievous um mm. but but then like when you walk watch your back and you realize actually they are like murderers I'm gonna say, well. the mischievous but, but also murderous but- yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> they had it coming. They don't like cops but, either, so yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, they have you know, Gremlins you know, know, yeah, they they kill people in pretty you know pretty horrific way. They dispatch in pretty hor- horrific way. You know, the, the, you know, we were talking about um, the uh, sorry the old lady's character. You see, that's, there's no point in me having that list. I can't remember any, anyone's names either, but. Um, but they get dis- they get dispatched in pretty horrific way as well. I mean, M- Billy's mum, you know, I, I you know, hands <laughs> hands up to her. She's amazing at getting mm. rid of those little creatures. Mm. One in the mixer, one in the microwave. <laughs> I think that's the scene that stuck with me for such a long time. Yeah. Because I think there, w- there was a lot of, um, you know, stories around that time as well of, you know, pets being yeah. put in the microwave and dying that way. Mm. So, you know, for a film to use this yeah. <laughs> and turning into a joke, a visual joke, is kind of amazing, really. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like, the, because obviously, and I'll talk about it a little bit later about the sort of folklore around gremlins. But yeah, like you said, to, to pick up on that, to be like, you know, there's this myth going around that people are putting the dogs in microwave or whatever. And then to use that, it does. I think it has got that real like a knowing wink to to society at that point and I you know I think the the underlying messages in it sorry I'm getting on to capitalism capitalism's murder already look she started <laughs> it's a fun film for kids Meg take it down a notch I can't I won't not at but, all do it but you know like at the end when um the the guy who owns Gizmo you see I don't know anyone's name it comes to taking back and he's like you know really critical at the fact that and rightly so that they've not looked after him properly and they've got no respect for mm-hmm. what he is and what you know to, to look after him properly and I think that's a really interesting element to put in as well and to sort of finish on this idea about you know the destructive nature of the American middle classes basically <laughs> really yeah, yeah. Um, the sort of uh, you know that whole eastern myth uh, like mysticism hasn't mm. hasn't aged well mm. um no. but yeah i mean it, it still stands that yeah uh white people were still just gonna fuck shit up yeah uh, yeah <laughs> white people are the worst the this worst. is what you were gonna do he knew that's why you didn't want to sell him he knew what were coming he were like you're mm. all pieces of shit and he was right <laughs> But I did think my first note that I put was, what was it about Chatting a Town that had such a grip on films in the 80s? Obviously, it's racism. Mm. We know it's racism. But yeah, yeah, yeah. how many films in have this word. like Chinatown element? Oh, mysterious Chinatown is going down the smoky alleyways of Chinatown. And I think, why were they doing this? 
What? Mm. I know, exactly. <laughs> that was one of my first notes as well. It's like, this guy is in Chinatown um, trying to sell his bathroom body in an antique store, which <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. And then when he sees when he sees Gizmo for the first time, instead of having a normal reaction, which is, <laughs> what the fuck is it? He just says, that is exactly what I've been looking for, which poses the question, right? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> I do think that we were talking about this, me and Clearly, and we were laughing about it because he doesn't go like, what sort of fucking dog is that? <laughs> what is it? He just goes, oh, that, what is it? And is it a guinea pig? Is it an hamster? What is it? He just goes, my son would like that. My son would love that. Exactly. Yeah. I know someone who'd love that. My widow of a son. He'll definitely fucking love this. What's this weird thing that I have never seen before? Can I buy it? again yeah white capitalism i suppose there you go the american way (laughs) exactly can i have it can i make some more and can i sell them that's fucking you know that's absolutely perfect (laughs) can we actually can we talk about you know talk you know whilst we're on the subject can we talk about those three famous rules the three rules you're supposed to obey when you get one (laughs) number one keeping keep him out of the sunlight you know, okay, I guess that's fine. We can. I mean, get I can this. relate to that. Num- you know, that's my yeah, preferred exactly, method. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, not a problem. We, we we're done for it. Number two, keep him away from water. How does this thing survive? Yeah. Like, what is he living on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, that, I didn't understand. Like, you know, keep him away from, you know, from water. Okay, fine. And number three, don't feed him after midnight. And I know people have been asking this question for a long time, but, you know, this was, you know, I feel like this was one that would have been quite easy to curb. You know, they could have said, don't feed him between the hours of midnight mm. and 6 a.m., midnight mm. and 3 a.m. Yeah. No, in spite of that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's always after midnight. It's always yeah, exactly. after midnight. It's so <laughs> fine. So when what are the parameters? Really, it was set up to fail. That's what happened. Yeah. They set yeah. him up to fail. But also, yeah, a real point is how the fuck is Gizmo alive? Because he can't have water. He's doing intermittent fasting, which we know is not good for you. And, you know, he's, he can't go outside. So he's getting no vitamin D. His bones are crumbling to dust. And he's dehydrated. So I don't know how exactly. he's alive. Should be like a little wizened husk. Fucking perfect pet for my son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I would love that, my son. <laughs> it is like buying someone, though, like... Like, you know, saying, oh, I've got you a present. And you, they go, oh, brilliant. I love presents. It's it's a living thing. It's an animal. Oh, thanks for that additional yeah. responsibility. I love that. And also, it like an iguana or, you know, something like that. It's really fucking hard to look after. Oh, even better. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah, what a brilliant do. gift. Thank you. I mean, I struggle with a house plan. So, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't stand a chance. I've got a dog that's just clinging on by Skinnery's teeth. Bless him. I couldn't be looking after a mogwai. Honestly, just the idea of someone going, and I love animals, but if somebody went to me, right, you can't feed it after this, it can't get wet, you can't go take it back. What is uh, it? I don't want it. Take it back. It's too much, that. Definitely. Where have you got it from? I did. <laughs> I did feel him, well, I mean, and yes, and when the, when the dad eventually gives him to me, gives it to me that it's all wrapped up and it's in a box with no uh, you know i looked i paused the um you know the, the dvd at the stage there are no holes for hair so it's something for air so it's um you know just god what knows how it? this thing is surviving is he a ghost what is it is, is he some sort of ghost i don't that understand would be, that would definitely be a, a new reading of the film i think um yeah. i read that the film's been um kind of heralded as a, a commentary against technology and i think you know that theme is you know definitely very clear you know um throughout the film starting with the you know with the with the dad being you know this kind of crazy inventor and like their house is filled with you know gadgets that Mm. you know don't work or you know have um, detrimental effect around you know around the house um but you know one thing i didn't necessarily read about but i can definitely see is that the film is also makes a sort of comments on animal testing you know with that Mm. you know that idea of you know having a species that you don't know what it is and yet you know keep you know, making more of it and, you know, to disastrous effects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't think that they've, that when they made it, it were a critique of like capitalism and things like that, because the town is like, so 
movie star, uh, like movie set town, isn't it? It's that mm-hmm. proper American eighties town. You know the the main street and the bank is there, and everyone knows everybody, and it's this very like suburban, idyllic uh, place, and then something. Mm-hmm mysterious from the outside comes in and causes chaos you know it's it's not subtle i don't think and it's problematic no something foreign (laughs) comes out and bugs it all up yeah but yeah i suppose there is that thing about technology as well and the dad in it is very like irresponsible is very irresponsible mm-hmm. to go and just buy this thing and not know what it is and, and bring it home and go, you look after it, to a teenage boy. <laughs> yeah, mm. have this. Yeah. Um, like a big kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't think they were necessarily setting out to make a critique of <laughs> neoliberal Western No, you're right, you're right. I think, you know... <laughs> What what come through more is definitely that you know that um, as you said you know that foreign element that comes through mm. that picture perfect and then sort of presents a threat. I mean the neighbor is kind of that the um, you know the the perfect example of you know throughout the film he kind of you know he's always, he always makes comments about his uh, you know his car being a piece of you know junk from you yeah. know God knows where and um, you know so you're right. It's definitely there's definitely I feel even with the representation of Chinatown and the antique. Sh- uh, Antique, antique store and mm. the representation of the uh, you know the the old you know granddad figure you know there is I was like this kind of like anti Chinese you know feeling in the you know in, mm. in you know throughout the film and it's kind of it's weird and in fact the uh, the word mogwai um, I read is also um, apparently translates to demon um, as well mm-hmm. as yeah the uh, yeah it means devil demon or what gremlin so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I watched El Razor recently. Um, again, I mean, I love El Razor, but I was struck by that as well. I think that's what made me think about it because I'd seen that, and then I'd we're watching Gremlins, and you know, there's this idea about this sort of shady character, you know, east from from the east who was, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and it is it's a really strange thing that well, it's that we're going on in eighties in these films, isn't it? That you know this. This threat, the threat of again that like invading other. Look, we've done it again. Clearly, we've took a fun family film. We've got capitalism's murder. It's racist. It's problematic. There's <laughs> <laughs> all these things ruining gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> So now we've ruined it for you, Emma. <laughs> now yeah, we've, thanks. Now thanks we've much. Do, yeah. Now See you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna cut this short. This is uh, yeah, not working. Yeah. <laughs> what was made, so? What we should have said as well at the start is that you're doing a screening of Gremlins on the eighteenth. Eighteenth of December. Yeah, at Broadway Cinema in Nottingham. Yeah. So if anyone wants to watch it now at this point, then I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, it'd be pretty much uh, it's pretty much sold out though, right? So yeah, yeah. On last, last check there was there was seven seven seats left. So, yeah, but well, it's too yeah, late now in. for all them people. Too late. So it's yeah, too late. I don't know when this is coming out. So. <laughs> but I, I think yeah, I suppose it is. I think it is a brilliant film to show though for like a Christmas event. Even with it, you know, we'll not go into the problems anymore. We've covered that. Gizmo's cute. It's fun. <laughs> it's a fun romp. But yeah, I think it is a really fun film for that, though, because there is, especially for Fortune and Glory, like you said, this immersive experience, like there's so much that is fun about it, isn't there? You know, like the the puppets themselves, like the effects in mm. it are so good and they still hold up. I'll not, yeah. go, I'll not go on my practical effect rant again. I won't. We all no. know I love it. <laughs> but they really hold up, don't they, I think? Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I, you know, I've been going for, you know, nearly nine years and I and I don't tend to do a Christmas event because mm. um, it's, you know, it's not, it's not, I'm, I'm a Halloween all year kind of person. But I always said if I got the opportunity, it would be Gremlins um, or Krampus. Um, yeah. Oh, but, yes. Yeah. My favourite. <laughs> Yeah, for a fortune and glory screening, uh, it has to be something that people have, you know, seen before, mm. um, have that, you know, that nostalgia, mm. um, and you know, I, I'm I I adore practical effects as well, mm. you know, and I think they really do, you know, some of the gizmo close-ups are uh, a bit shonky, but <laughs> otherwise, I think the the, the the monster design is is incredible, and and what I'm really looking forward to is is doing some of my own 
shonky effect in the screening. Oh, amazing! To just try and like to just to bring that 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 into the the experience as well. <laughs> yeah. So I've been having a chat with one of the projectionists about how we might sort of have a little cut out shape running across the projector so you know you yeah, can get it up on the screen Just stuff like that um because yeah i think um that's there's so much fun there to be had absolutely it's gonna be so much fun and it's a perfect o- occasion to recreate in the, that scene of them in the in the cinema as well um yeah we'll definitely audience, be so having it's... a sing-along <laughs> definitely yeah. having, having a high note yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Before we move on to the folklore corner, do you, do you have anything else that you would like to say about Gremlins, Emma? I was doing some research and I found an article online which I think you would really get a kick out of, um, where in the the horror and and feminism intersection. Um, what makes you it, think I, weird I, like that? Yeah, no, no, you're not interested. Um, and it's one of those articles, you know, when you read something online and you're like, is this satire? <laughs> like, is this the onion? But I think I think it was I think it was real, and and it was uh, a man, obviously, uh, writing about gremlins as a as a, a warning about women getting too big for their boots, and basically <laughs> explaining the three the three rules for looking after uh, a mogwai and applying those to to how how women can. Uh, turn themselves into into gremlins so uh, um, yeah so you've got like so you don't get on wet I mean which is I mean, quite crass I don't but, think that um, man's ever had to worry about that to be fair no exactly <laughs> totally. talking from his own experience never happened so not yeah, a problem but he 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 um described it as uh that, that Billy is a is an immature sort of sub male um and by getting this this uh mogwai wet um it's all these these offspring that are a burden um just like women on welfare who are having children to did you find that on the really work. dark dark corner of the internet like this is <laughs> this got incel written all over yeah. it <laughs> uh bright lights um are a warning to protect women from overexposure um <laughs> Particularly like flash photography and, you know, uh, because, you know, if you put a camera on a woman, she's immediately going to sort of turn to porn, uh, which fair play to her if she does. Um, And of course, uh, feeding after midnight is is just encouraging women to overindulge um, because they're greedy and insatiable and entitled. Mm. Um, So, yeah, that was like an interesting reading. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. are. (laughs) Greedy for men's souls. Want to eat men's souls. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought if anyone would appreciate that reading, it would be... uh, Definitely, yes. This uh, (laughs) this reminds me of that guy who went on a... I don't know any of the names... Uh, and I refuse to learn them. I might learn a character's name, but I will not learn a dickhead's name. Um, <laughs> but went on a podcast and basically said that women can't orgasm. It's a lie. And I thought, why are you telling on yourself? <laughs> why, are you, why are you embarrassing yourself? This is masochism at this point. <laughs> thought, what did he say? He said, and it were relating to, he might have written this article, it were relating to women. Uh, if women get wet, they don't like it. It was something like that. It's, it's impossible for <laughs> oh women to God. get wet. That's what it were. And I was like, well, can... oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so bad. What a terrible, what a, what a stretch. What a terrible mm, that overreach. Is, that really is a stretch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, I love a reading of a, of a film and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, I will wring a queer subtext out of the driest hetero <laughs> yeah. vanilla film. I will wring a queer subtext out of that. Yes. But this, <laughs> even this is a stretch. Goodness yeah. me. It's a massive Ugh. stretch, definitely. Well, talking of, um, talking of queer subtext, subtext, actually, I've read, you know, really, really interesting, a few really interesting articles about the queer subtext of in Gremlins. And um, I got this quote that um, I, you know, will we'll link, link the, um, um, the um, sorry, the article in, in in the show notes, but I wanted I was wondering what what you guys made of um, what you um, what you made of what you made of this one. So it says that the film queers childbearing along with the constructs of heteronormative parenthood by allowing the gremlins to reproduce asexually. 
their apparent uh, lack of distinct binary roles is a radical confrontation to our expectations. Note the gremlins who flashes the audience with merely phantom limbs, the satiric um, absence of genitalia being the intended shock of gender disruption. And while given the default pronouns of he, him, Gizmo is in fact the holy mother, Mary figure of origin to all the monstrous form thereafter. A cheeky nod to the baby Jesus on creation story. Oh, I just think that's a fantastic reading of the film. This is the gay agenda (laughs) right here. Yeah, exactly. Church of of Gizmo. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, because. I was sort of thinking about it and yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't leap out, but um, certainly because, <laughs> you know, everyone, everyone knows or the female gremlin from the second film, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't care what you say. She's sexy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's yeah. got a vibe all her own. Absolutely. Um, but then when I watched the, the, the first one again and it's in the bar scene and they're all put, sitting around playing cards and Spike has uh, uh, a female presenting gremlin beside him Um Sort of as you know, as a, a mole, I suppose, mm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, ah, oh, well, if if she hasn't been identified as a as a female gremlin, uh, but you know, she's there. Mm. She's she's visible. Uh, she has her place at the table. Yeah, you know, good for her. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, great. I think that's really interesting, and I suppose Gizmo as you know the the ultimate mother and as the sort of Mary figure, it makes sense why it's such a knack. You know, we come back to it. We come full circle. The Madonna Har exactly. complex in full oh, effect. Right, God did this to you. Yeah, but there we go. You could really use like uh, Gizmo and Spike to fully typify that Madonna Har complex, really, couldn't you? You know, mm. these greedy, insatiable. Exactly. Uh, you know, greedy, insatiable, uh, irresponsible women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and always wet. Yeah, always always, yeah. tag yourself. <laughs> Shall we uh, take a, a trip to Folklore Corner? Take, take us to Folklore Corner. Come with me <laughs> to the corner. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think we've we've touched on a lot of this. That you know, a gremlin. The the definition of a gremlin is this mischievous creature, um, and their origins are said to have roots in wider folklore. So like goblins and fairies, what's called the the sort of little people school of myth. So. You know, historically, these are who are blamed for misfortune. So if you lose something, it's the little people who've taken it and, you know, things like that. The origin of the name Gremlin is disputed, hotly disputed in folklore circles. Oh, you don't want to get in an argument with a folklorist, goodness me. Um, (laughs) But some argue that it comes from an old English word. I mean, I'm butchering this. Grim? Grimme? I'm not sure. (laughs) Or Grimian? Again, you know, don't come at me, old English scholars, uh, which means to vex or annoy. So I suppose you get that sort of mischievous thing from there. But they're actually more of a form of contemporary legend because we don't start to see stories about them until the beginning of the 20th century. So although they've been sort of retrospectively tied to this like little people school of myth, actually we don't even see discussion about them until 20th century. So it really begins sort of in tandem with the development of aircraft um, when we start to see stories about them. So gremlins were originally used to explain malfunctions in aircraft and other machinery. Uh, So stories about their involvement in mechanical issues, as well as causing mental issues for pilots, uh, especially were especially popular in World War Two. But we do see stories as early as 1920. So I have an example of one such story, if you would like to hear it. Mm, so I have lifted this straight from the Atlas Obscura website because I could not have written it any better. So it was 1944. Picture it. It was 1944 and an Allied pilot was flying a B-17 bomber over Nazi territory. Suddenly the plane began to rattle. He checked his instruments. They were going haywire. As the rattling and noises continued, he glanced out of the cockpit window and saw something, a creature about three feet tall, grey and hairless, much like that man who wrote that article. (laughs) Its its teeth were sharp and its eyes were red, again. Uh, The pilot soon spied something else, an owl-like creature hammering at the aeroplane's nose and dancing a gleeful little jig. The crew started some fancy flying and managed to shake the creature or creatures off. So this story has been told on the Law podcast as well. 
but apparently the pilot remembered this for the rest of his days. I mean, you would. <laughs> I don't think you that's would, something you would. you would easily forget. <laughs> and repeated this story. And he was not alone in talking about his encounter with this, these sort of mischievous beasties. So why would gremlins do this? Are they just knobheads? Perhaps. <laughs> but one is that thing... verbatim from the article as well? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is all me, baby. This is just me now. Um, in conclusion, <laughs> in conclusion are they, uh, gremlins are not. <laughs> in this essay, I will. <laughs> um, but one theory is that they showed humans how to create machinery, so they're tied very much to like industrial revolution and this idea about you know as automating things, which you know that the, their um, gift to us led to the industrial revolution. But because they were never acknowledged and their efforts weren't recognised, they started to sabotage these man-made machines, which you know. If that's not a fair a fair response to being unacknowledged, I don't know what is. Um, but also, like elves, imps, and fairies, and all you know, gremlins, and all these mischievous characters, have long been used to explain away the unexplainable and the unfortunate, and they've really become sort of cemented in this cultural dialogue of Western Europe. Uh, by the 20th century so then when um i think it's unsurprising that when we see this advent of this new technology that these sort of traditional mayhem makers followed us into the skies if you will um and i think it's it's easy to see how like people in raf would look to these old ways to explain malfunctions and danger and you know someone um sort of flying unfamiliar over unfamiliar territory in this new equipment. They don't really fully get how it works. They're, it's in wartime. You know, the gremlins then became this like mystical scapegoat then for when things went wrong. Um, and also it means that there's this lack of responsibility on human error. So, you know, in wartime, if, if there were, you know, an accident, something went wrong, a fellow RAF, you know, officer were killed, a pilot could blame it on a gremlin. And, and use that as a way... Sorry, I've got depressing here really quick. But, but you know, <laughs> that that these gremlins became this this scapegoat for, um, for human error and for things that people didn't really fully understand during a very stressful time period. And we do see that sort of talk about them really declines really rapidly after the war whereas during the war there's all you can see if you if you google them there's all these um like incredible posters that they used to put up about gremlins mm-hmm. in the machine and warning people that these gremlins had come and if you weren't diligent that they would you know interfere with your work and they would cause problems and it were really ingrained which i think is quite interesting to say that that were it is there's actually um... yeah there's a there's a reference to it in the film, in fact. So the neighbor is was a pilot in um in 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 the war, wasn't it? And he does refer to like you know there's a scene when they come out of the bar and they trying to convince him not to take his car um because he's he's drunk um and then he starts mumbling about gremlins, gremlins mm. in the machine. So it's like you know they yeah, yeah I, do, I do find you know an interesting um link up to yeah. it. Yeah, well, and we can thank Roald Dahl for. Um, sort of bringing the idea of gremlins to the public eye. So he'd served in the RAF and then he wrote a, a children's book about gremlins that really brought them to um, to the public, sort of wider public consciousness. And then obviously there's the famous Twilight Zone episode, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet with William Shatner, uh, which were later parodied on The Simpsons in an excellent Treehouse of Horror segment. Fantastic. But the it best. was really gremlins <laughs> that cemented their place in the modern monster pantheon which I think is an excellent way to refer to it. <laughs> it is. Perfect. So that's that's all I have because they're quite a modern uh, folklore. So that's all Myth. I have on Gremlins. It's all you need really, though, isn't it? <laughs> so it's such a good one. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. And as we mentioned, I mean, the Gremlins have really been at work for us in the in this podcast. They really have, yeah. If you needed any proof, they're still at work, little bastards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, if this hasn't recorded, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I'll be back in the summer. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> but well, we normally finish on uh, recommendations. So have you got any recommendations, Emma, that you would say, if someone loves gremlins, mm. that they should seek out? I do. So I think it's fair to say that the success of Gremlins um, sort of gave way to to some some rip offs, some some similar films of of lesser quality. So I would, uh, if you if you like mischievous creatures being mischievous, um, I would recommend Critters. Mm, yes. uh, I think there's maybe I don't know 
six of those, six critters <laughs> yeah, filming, five, least, six of those. Least, it, and uh, it doesn't yeah. matter. And then offshoots. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, also Ghoulies, um, who were sort of less furry, uh, but, but similar. Um, I think both series have a scene where one appears in a toilet like, yeah, this is the level that we're talking un- about you know. yeah uncool is exclusively coming coming out of toilets i'm pretty yeah. sure they do yeah, yeah. It's, that's, yeah. A, that's you know that, that's in there um and also troll 2 which is an infamously bad uh movie um enjoyed by sort of yeah like-minded people um it's brilliant what do you mean <laughs> oh it's fantastic so good it. so good it. um and i also threw in um indiana jones and the temple of doom mm. just because it has that that link to uh that that new sort of pg-13 rating mm. is it a kid's film is it a bit scary um and just because the the fortune and glory link there was was too neat to ignore <laughs> so that's what i would suggest yeah they're brilliant I, I do think it's really interesting about this idea about rating and you know mm. how it were rated and that that sort of sticky period when it well uh, sorry i mean we've had too much talk of stickiness i don't know why i've said sticky. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know like when it's is it a kid's film is it an adult film and i think we really benefited as people who were alive in the 80s before things got too strict again that we were allowed to watch because it, oh it's a kid's film mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you get yeah. all this subtext and all these really weird things that you think oh my god <laughs> <laughs> hasn't done us any harm has it no no absolutely not <laughs> on top of that actually on top of the um you know that uh, that, P- that pg rating that he gave you know they gave birth to i was thinking that you know um gremlins gremlins was made also on the back of i mean quite a few years later but actually i, I found out that in the early 60s or mid 50s early 60s they did put in place um a code of authority for comics um because there were a lot of comics being made at the time that were riffing off, you know, really horrific things were turning into comedy. Mm. And, um, you know, in America, they kind of felt like this was really twisting the mind of, of young people. So, you you know, when you think about it, really, the, the filmmakers, you know, um, you know, who, you know, someone like Joe Dante obviously would have been around, mm. you know, like reading all these comics and then being, mm. you know, being inspired by all this. And, you know, I, you know, I think it's amazing that, you know, despite censorship and, you know, you know, people trying to put in place, you know, loads of rules to you know stop the stop the youth from you know finding finding solace and you know in horrible things then you know there's always a way to i think you know this marriage of horror and comedy really has been around for you know forever and you know as much as they try to you know to to keep to keep them apart i think there's always a you know beautiful marriage there yeah you've got to love a moral panic you know, yeah, it just makes exactly. things even more exciting, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and what about you, Clearly? Have you got any recommendation? Well, actually, Emma, you kind of um, you, oh, you, you mentioned <laughs> all the ones that I was going to mention. No, I, the 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 only one that I was going to mention I was it's quite it's not it's nothing to do with Gremlins, but watching it, I was thinking of the Burbs actually, you know, quite oh, a lot because yes. it was kind of you know um, um, you know around the same time, and you know, but obviously watching a film like Gremlins, it makes you think you know all the films from that era that. Mm. You know that you want to rewatch, mm. um, run and rewatch. So, yeah, Burbs so, yeah. But otherwise, I had yeah. creatures and ghoulies on my list as well because, <laughs> yeah. you know, as you said, the, the lesser the lesser ones. But you know, they, they're still. I kind of love them. Really, I love mm. I love creatures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't really have you, any. Uh, woefully underprepared. Uh, for this episode um but i suppose for me i would say the blob just because these two films are inextricably linked in my uh yep. <laughs> my traumatic childhood experiences <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also i was thinking about it and i thought about leprechaun as well oh, i yeah. think that <laughs> people are probably like leprechaun all leprechaun mm. in space uh i believe yeah. there's a leprechaun in space yeah uh, there's one with Snoop Dogg as well. I yes, think. I think yeah, so. Yeah, Le- Leprechaun in the Hood. <laughs> yes, yeah, Le- Leprechaun in the Hood. That's <laughs> yeah. exactly it. Uh, and I'm yeah. sure that's a real uh, sensitively, uh, you know, thoughtfully evoked portrayal of. <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but I just I think about um, yeah stuff like Gremlins and Leprechaun and that that sort of like you said they're not scariness. They've got the horror element, but they're they're just funny and the the silly and you're not. You know, you're not going to lose sleep over it. Although that leprechaun <laughs> is terrifying. 
to be fair. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That fr- again, like, you know, the same way that Gremlins freaked me out as a kid. I mean, yeah. Leprechaun did as well. Yeah. Uh, so. yeah. And that final scene of Gremlins, uh, where, you know, the, the full uncut uh, melting of Spike, melting. like, that is nightmare <laughs> fuel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, exactly. And I, yeah. Sorry, Meg and I were talking not so long ago about how, you know, they keep remaking you know stuff like are you afraid of the dark yeah. or um goosebumps. i can't remember the other goosebumps, one that would yeah. yeah goosebumps exactly but the fact that you know they are so much you know visually they're so polished and you know they are supposed to be you know almost like scarier than mm. they were when you know when, when they were first you know when they were originally released but in mm. fact it's kind of like he loses that you know the appeal that he had you know originally so it's almost like by trying to make it scarier it just doesn't it just Mm. doesn't work yeah Yeah. too polished give me janky Uh, give me janky give me janky (laughs) i agree you know i (laughs) think about um like slappy from goosebumps when i were a kid a ventriloquist dummy but i mean still i'm not wild about him but you know he were absolutely (laughs) petrifying and then i do like the new goosebumps films but i don't think he's very frightening They've like took nah. the they take the the sort of the fear out of it, don't they? But they make it look it's all you know grey tones and it's all very dark looking and everything. But actually, it's not that scary anymore. But that could be because we're adults nah. as well. I think we do have to acknowledge that. <laughs> you know, what well, do you I, think I, I, I am very fearful in my day to day life. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with films. I'm just very frightened. <laughs> just generally. Just generally. Just frightened. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah. I mean, have you got any any final words for us, Emma? Any last oh. last refrains? Oh, um, uh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I really love what you two do and being a part of your orbit is a real treat. So thank you for popping my podcast, Cherry. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, you can find um, Fortune and Glory on, on Instagram and Facebook because I'm still of that age, um, sharing the dankest memes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much. It's been, you know, it's been absolutely amazing to have you, and we, you know, we we love what you do. We absolutely, you know, uh, support um, all your screenings and you know your um, incredible mission in general. So yes. yeah, it's been a real pleasure. We are you your there. number thank one you. fans, Emma. That's, oh, that's thank you. Right back at you. <laughs> <laughs> in a nanny world sort of way, obviously. We yes, know, full it on nanny world. Yeah. The murderous scale. Yeah. Yeah. Get the hobble instead. <laughs> Exactly. Just so you know. That's yeah. another good festive uh, favourite. Yeah. yeah, that's Christmas. That's festive horrors. Mm-hmm. Um, but, well, we've already covered it, though. So uh, go back and listen if you like Misery, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and obviously check out Fortune and Glory um, Film Club to find out all the upcoming events and definitely go along. I have been uh, and they are very fun. And if I could go to every single one, I would. They are fantastic. Um, But yeah, so thank you, Emma, for coming on and sharing your thoughts on Gremlins and for picking such a fun film for us to to do for our festive fright season. Uh, And thanks for listening to Monstrous Flesh. Please join us next time for more discussion about the festive frights we love. You can find out more about us via our website, monstrousflesh.co.uk, where you can find out more about our research for each episode, buy our wonderful merch and see our upcoming events. We'd love to hear from you, either via our email or social media channels. And also, please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and help us spread our spooky word by telling your friends about Monstrous Flesh. Until next time, creep it weird, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>